Welcome to the Ridge Weekly Podcast. This week we are in a series called What's the Point? Why bother with church? Simply put, Jesus is excited about building his church and God's people continue to be the light of the world. What we do and how we are different from the world makes the church essential to a society that is slipping further away from God. Listen to this talk and see how we are called to make a difference in this world. You know, growing up for me, high tech probably meant something different than what it does and means today. Uh, One of my earliest high tech memories was having a pair of 3D glasses. This is a picture of me. That's not a picture of me. That's a picture I Googled and said, 1970s kid, 3D glasses. But those were the glasses I remember wearing. And it was really cool, right? Back then, I don't even know where I got them. If it was in a a box of cereal, maybe from a highlights magazine. Some of you know what I'm talking about. But they were super cool. And then, and then, you know, you could wear those glasses to look at a picture, and if you took it off, it was blurry, and then you put them on, and then things popped, right? And then a little later, we got to do 3D movies. So I don't know what, if you've been to that, but my first 3D movie was Jaws 3 in 3D, and you can just imagine how cool it was with the big shark coming up close and personal in my face. You see, the reason we wear 3D glasses is to get different vision, see a different look, right? There's images, different images that come into each of our eyes. It's like the old Viewmaster, probably dating myself, but one image comes in red and one image comes in blue. And then those images come together, right? And our brain processes them and then it's just so clear, so wonderful. There's a pop, whether it's on the page or on the screen, everything's clear. Everything looks amazing. Well, today we are starting a new series, as Art said, called What's the Point? And we're going to try to answer over the next five weeks, what's the point of church? But before we figure out what the point is, I thought it'd be good to start with a foundational uh, talk on what the church is. What the church is. So what do you think of when you hear the word church? What's the first thing that comes to your mind? For some, it might be, well, here's the name of the church, or here's the building we go to, or their location. What if I said, we're late for church? What do you think of then? Service time, right? Or what do you think of church? Well, that's something we do on Sunday. If someone asks, tell me about your church, you might say, well, here's my denomination, or here's a little bit about my pastor, or the kids' environment, or the youth group, or your small group, or maybe the ways you serve, maybe the community outreach that happens there. Maybe it's all or any of the above. That's how a lot of us think. That's how we define church. And I don't think we're wrong with the way we describe that there, but I think something's missing. I think the way we describe church there is a lot like looking at a 3D page or going to a 3D movie without having those 3D glasses on, a bit blurry, maybe distorted, no pop. So my takeaway this morning is we need to see the church in 3D. And we're gonna take a little journey, look at the early church, so I would ask you to put on those 3D glasses 
so we can think, see things more clearly. So the first D in, uh, we want to look at is the church defined. The church defined. How exactly is the church defined in the Bible, in the New Testament? The word church in the New Testament is found somewhere, they say, between 114, 120 times based on your translation. And it's described many ways as well as including a body, a bride, a family, a flock, a building, a temple. And I think those are great metaphors, right? We read those in the pages of the New Testament. But I don't think they actually define the church. The first occurrence of the word church in the New Testament actually occurs before the early church was even started, right? In Matthew 16, 18, Jesus tells Peter, he says, and I also say to you that you, Peter, you are Peter, and on this rock, I will build my church, and the forces of Hades will not overpower it. First thing to know is Jesus said, I will build my church. The word church here is the Greek word ekklesia, and it simply means a gathering of citizens called out from their homes into some public place or assembly. So the root meaning of the word church is assembly, gathering, called out ones, not of a building, not of a location, not of a time, not of a day. It simply means ecclesia, a gathering. The other thing too is, why is that important? Well, I think it's important because the church is built by God and not people, right? He says, I will build my church. It seems to me that many churches today are built by people or renovated by people or added on to by people or even redesigned by people. Seems like there should be a show on HGTV called Church Renovation where they talk all about how all these foundational changes are taking place. Richard Halverson, a pastor and chaplain of the U.S. Senate uh, from 81 to 1985, had this to say the, about the church. I think it's pretty sobering. He said, in the beginning, the church was a fellowship between men and women centering on the living Christ. The church moved to Greece where it became a philosophy. Then it moved to Rome where it became an institution. Next, it moved to Europe where it became a culture. And finally, it moved to America, where it became an enterprise. Sounds like people have been building, renovating, adding on to, redesigning the church since the beginning. Notice also that it says, uh, Jesus says that I, on this rock, I will build my church. What's he talking about? What's the rock that he's talking about? We need to go back a few Verses in Matthew 16, 13, we start reading. It says, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the son of man is? And disciples, they said his disciples, some say John the Baptist, others Elijah, still others Jeremiah, maybe one of the prophets. And then Jesus asked them probably one of the most important questions he's gonna ask anybody even asks us, who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus responded, son of Jonah, 
You are blessed because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the forces of Hades will not overpower it. Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the Son of God. This is the confession that the church is built on. Not Peter, not himself, but the confession that he made. And as we make that same confession, we're part of this universal, of this old worldwide church when we do put our faith and trust in Jesus. The end of the verse also states and says, the forces or the gates of Hades will not overpower it. Why is that important? Well, he's saying that the gates of Hades are not gonna overpower the church, right? Back in uh, uh, ancient times, cities were surrounded by walls, big walls, right? It's tough to penetrate them, but they are also had a gate. And that gate was really the place that most of the battles started at because they felt if they could break down the gate, they could get down and take over the city. Jesus is telling us that this gate, the gates of hell are not ever going to overpower, overcome the church, right? What a great reminder that is for everything going on in this world today. So the Greek word ekklesia, not only refers to that first church there was, as Jesus talked before there was church, but it also talks about anytime that word church is used in the New Testament, it talks about local gatherings, right? If a church met at a home, or you can read the church at Ephesus or the church of the Gentiles, whenever a church is mentioned in the New Testament, meeting someone's home or identified within a city or region, it's just classified, it's just talked about as a local assembly. So that's our definition. That's the first D, right? Definition of a church before there was a church is a gathering or community of believers founded by Christ and the gates of hell will not uh, overcome that. Let's look at the second D on this journey. The church designed. The church designed. Soon after Jesus was crucified, buried, rose from the dead, ascended into heaven, Peter, the same Peter we just talked about, addressed the crowd in Matthew 16. It was a huge crowd. It was on this thing called the Day of Pentecost. And it was part of this Feast of Pentecost that happened 50 days after Passover, Old Testament, New Testament. This was the first feast or day of Pentecost after Jesus had been crucified. Many people think that this event where uh, Peter spoke to this multitude, this crowd. It's often considered the birth of the local church, this local ecclesia. And it's marked by the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on all of the people. Peter's main message revolved around Christ. He emphasized Jesus' crucifixion, his death, and his resurrection. He emphasized that, highlighted it about the sacrifice for the forgiveness of the people's sins the forgiveness of our sins. Peter called on the people to repent and be baptized. Here's what happened. Near the end of that message, we read in Acts 2.41, it says, so those who accepted his message, Peter's message, were baptized. And that day about 3,000 people were added to them. 3,000 people. 
3,000 people were added to that group that became followers of Christ. Peter preached boldly. God worked inwardly through the Holy Spirit and the first local church, the local ecclesia was launched. Pretty incredible. According to Richard Longenecker, this is why it was a really big deal, not just in number. He said, the Jews generally looked on baptism as a right only for Gentile converts, what they called proselytes, not for one born of a Jew. It symbolizes the break with one's Gentile past, washing away all the defilement. So when Jews accepted baptism in the name of Jesus on hearing Peter's message, it was traumatic and significant for them in a way in our mildly Christianized culture have difficulty understanding. It was a huge deal for these Jews that had found Jesus. Now, as we move on with the design of this early church, right? Um, for a number of years, I worked uh, in an area called organizational design. And that's where you take, you work with an organization or a company, you take their strategy, and then you try to determine the optimal design to get the necessary results, okay? Strategy, design, and results. Now, I don't think the first church had any type of org design consultant walking through that, helping the early church figure out what their design's gonna be, but it appears they knew their strategy. It appears they knew their strategy, which was the great commandment and the great commission. In Matthew 22, verses 37, 39, we read this, about the great commandment. He, Jesus said to them, love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and with all your mind. This is the greatest and most important command. The second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. The great commandment, love God, love others. And we talk about the great commission, right? Matthew 28, beginning of verse 19, it says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. The great commandment and the great commission were the strategy of the early church from the beginning. So we've just seen that 3,000 people were added that day. Let's continue said, and they, those 3,000 believers and 120 believers that were there, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread into prayers. Now all the believers were together and held all things in common. They sold their possessions and property and distributed the proceeds to all as anyone had a need. Every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple complex and broke bread from house to house. So as we break down these verses, let's take a look at the design elements of the first church. And somebody says, it's the first church of ever because there was no other church before this church in the New Testament. It says, first of all, it said, the church design, the first element was teaching and learning. Teaching and learning. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They had just trusted Jesus and wanted to know more. They wanted to know the truth about God. They were taught about who Jesus was and what he had done. They desired to be instructed 
and then that put their learning into action. So that's the first one, teaching, learning. What's the second element we see from those verses? I think it's fellowship, right? They devoted themselves to fellowship. The word here for fellowship is koinonia. And it really means a deep and intimate fellowship or sharing common interests, beliefs, and experiences with each other. It underscores the importance of community and a shared spiritual journey, not just on one day of the week, all day of the week, all throughout the year. They were meeting together and eating together. They were doing life together. Third element, communion. Here it says they devoted themselves to the breaking of bread. Uh, In some places in the New Testament, breaking of bread can be just eating. But specifically here, it points to what we commonly call communion or the Lord's Supper. And it's interesting, even though Jesus had only been gone a short while, they still didn't want to forget what Jesus had done for them on the cross. Fourth element, prayer, praise, worship. They devoted themselves to the prayers. All kinds of prayers, public prayer, private prayer. Prayed for each other, prayed for themselves. In the Greek, this word prayer actually means more than just saying prayers. It includes the idea of praise and adoration and worship and singing. They got together and worshiped and praised God. Fourth, uh, fifth element, generosity and care. This says they sold their possessions and property and distributed the proceeds to all as anyone had a need. Now, for some of us, that might be a tough, tough part of the verse, right? We ask ourselves, is the early church, when they sold their property and possessions to take care of the needy, are we expected to do the same? Well, let's remember what was happening with that early church, right? Many people had come some far away to that Feast of Pentecost, right? And so when it said 3,000 people were added, many of those people, that was new to them. They, they joined the church and they wanted to stay and they didn't have any ways to take care of themselves. So there was a need for people to come together to help them until they could get on their feet. You know, I think the bottom line is we should be ready to care for the needs of people, maybe even sacrificially when we see a need. What I can say about the early church is they cared for one another, right? They sold their houses and lands, their fields, their vineyards, their goods to take care of one another. When a need arose, they would simply give, right? They gave out of those, they gave to those in need. Jesus had become more important than their possessions. And the last element is gathering that we see there. They devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple complex and broke bread together. Now the temple complex there was the public place of worship. So they gathered for worship to learn together. They also gathered together in people's homes, right? To have a meal, to get together for community, love, friendship. So how is this first church We look at the strategy was the great commandment and the great commission. And then we see how the design happened. What are the results? Did they set up, were they optimally designed for the results they wanted? In Acts 2, 46b, the end of that uh, 
verses there. It says, they ate their food with joyful and humble attitude, praising God and having favor with all people. And every day the Lord added to them those who were being saved. Two results. First, they had favor with all people. They were changed people because of what Jesus had done and the Holy Spirit had come in them. They were part of this church, right? This ecclesia. Praising God and having favor with all people sounds a lot like the great commandment. Praising God, favor with people, right? And it also says, that very day the Lord added to those people all that were being saved. I left this quote by Vance Havner. He says, the early church had none of the things we think so essential for success today. Buildings, money, political influence, social status, and yet the church won multitudes to Christ and so many churches established throughout the Roman world. The Lord added to those who were being saved because of the great commission that was happening. New believers were being discipled from the apostles' teaching and then telling others about Jesus. The first church was a soul-winning ecclesia. Okay, so we've defined the church. We've looked at the church design, so what? The third D is the church devoted. What's the difference? What the difference does that make? In the same passage we read in Acts 2, beginning in 42, we see the word devoted two times, right? And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to the prayers. Now all believers were together and held all things in common. They sold their possessions and property and distributed proceeds to all as anyone had need. Every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple complex and broke bread from house to house. They devoted themselves. Every day they devoted themselves. Not once a week, every day. The word uh, devoted in the Greek actually means to give attention to, to be faithful to, to be fully committed to. Some translations use, they continued steadfastly. Love this quote by W.A. Criswell. He says, notice in those verses, the early church, notice that this single-minded, steady focus was not just regarding teaching, but included fellowship, breaking of bread and prayer. And to, re to reiterate, they did not casually, passively, half-heartedly, every once in a while do these things. They steadfastly, single-mindedly pursued this course of action. And then he says, are those our priorities as Christians? The main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing, he says. Amen. So they were a learning people, a loving people, a worshiping people, and a praying people. Those are the main things. If you don't have these things, you cannot have a church. And then he ends with a question, how are you doing? How are you doing? How are we doing? It's a great question, right? How's the Ridge, our local ecclesia doing? Are we devoted to these main things? Does the design that the early church had that we're trying to emulate help us live out the great commandment? and the Great Commission. Let's take a look.
And you know, well, maybe before we take a look, we're not perfect. We know that here at the Ridge. We don't have it all together. I remember one church, I was uh, going up in front for membership and the pastor said, if you're looking for a perfect church, don't join it because once you do, it won't be perfect. And I think that's a good reminder for us. But here's the thing, at the Ridge, we're constantly trying to get better in these areas. So let's take a look. The church devoted, gathering and worshiping. We have a couple thousand people gather every week to worship here at the Ridge. Now, some of them are in person, some are live stream on Sunday, some worship online, on demand. Some of it's in here in our building, some of it is in people's homes. And we have well over 100 people volunteering and serving to help make Sunday possible. So if I look at gathering worshiping, that design element, I would say, yes, we are a community devoted to gathering and worshiping. What about teaching and learning? You know, besides every week having everybody in, listening to worship service, listening to the pastor speak, we've got devotions, we've got small groups, we've got classes. We've also got Ridge kids and Ridge students. And we have nearly 400, actually over 400 kids and students involved every week in classes and events, along with another 140 uh, folks serving and volunteering to help make that run, to help our kids and students learn. I'd say we're a community devoted to learning and teaching. What about fellowship? Uh, over the last year, we've had over 500 people, adults from our church family involved in community groups or care groups or connect groups or even getting involved in classes, meeting in homes here in the church or online. We have more than 50 people serving in those areas to help make that hop happen. It's a great picture of fellowship and a shared spiritual journey. I'd say we are a community devoted to fellowship. What about prayer, care, and generosity? Well, I think that's evident here at the Ridge. We've prayed for many, many hundreds of people, some of you over this last year. We've also had over 100 requests for benevolence help from those inside and outside our church. We've got drives, uh, even this year, our Feed WV, our backpack to school drive. We're gonna have our kindness campaign and our code drive in the fall and then our Christmas meal giveaway because of your generosity. Finally, your generosity to and care for our foster care ministry has just been evident. It's been incredible. And we wouldn't, none of this would be possible again with about another hundred of you all helping in all of these areas. So I'd say yes, we're a community devoted to prayer, care, and generosity. Finally, communion. We take communion on the first Sunday here at the Ridge as a way to remember what Jesus did for us, right? Once a month, that's our plan. So I'd say we are a community devoted to communion. And that's what we're gonna do right now. We're going to celebrate communion by remembering what Jesus did for us on the cross and what he continues to do for us. Hopefully you picked up a communion pack when you came in or have bread and crackers 
and some juice available if you're watching online. Let me read what Paul says in 1 Corinthians about communion. He said, for I received what I also passed on to you on the night when he was betrayed, the Lord took the bread and when he given thanks, broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you, which is for us. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper and said, this cup is the new covenant of my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat the bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So as we get ready to partake in communion, let's spend some time remembering Jesus. You'll see some verses on the screen and you're ready. You can partake in the elements. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for giving us communion as a way to remember you, as a way to remember the sacrifice you made on the cross for our sins once for all. You know, as I think of the word devotion, devoted, um, sometimes I think I can get that involved or, or I get that confused with involvement, right? Am I devoted or am I involved? There's many, you know, I, I, I was thinking back when I was preparing for this, I think I've gone to seven different churches, different cities, different states, and different times in my life, right? They were all patterned after this this design, right, of the Great Commission, the Great Commandment. Um, and the times I was devoted to gathering and worshiping and fellowship and generosity and care and communion, I think my life went just, it was better. It went better. Not perfect, right? Life was, it, it, it was just clear. There's more pop. Times I was less devoted. Life wasn't as good, right? It was blurry and distorted. It was like I was going through life without wearing my 3D glasses. So what's the takeaway today? What are our takeaways? First, I think if you've never made a confession about who Jesus is and, and even answered that question that Peter answered, who do you say I am? I think there's no better time to do that, right? To ask Jesus, to ask him about, because he's, he loves you. He cares for you. He for, went to the cross, just we talked about him, communion for the forgiveness of your sins. So if you've never done that, you've never accepted Christ, some folks out in the Next Steps area in the lobby would love to talk to you and get some more information online. If you've never followed that, like Peter, that confession publicly with baptism, I'd say the same thing. Never a better time than now. Again, more information in the lobby or online. Second, as we've seen, the church is designed to help you and me carry out the great commandment and great commission. I would ask all of us, how are we doing in these areas? How are we doing loving God and loving others? How are we doing helping make disciples? Where do we have opportunities to grow and make a difference? Third, 
Third, I'd just like to say thank you for your devotion to the Ridge, for your gathering and learning and worshiping, fellowship and generosity. You know, fall's a great time to ask yourself, hey, how is my devotion? Maybe there's something I can be doing. Fall's a great time, right? We've got classes getting ready to be kicked off. We've got volunteer and serving opportunities. So if that makes sense for you and you're more interested in saying, what's my next step? Again, head out on the way out to our next steps area or look online. Finally, here again is the picture of not me wearing 3D glasses. I want you to just think about that picture as a remembrance, a way to remember the definition, the design, and that devotion of that first early church. And help it help you help me see clearly the impact that first church made on every other church since then and why we do what we do here at the Ridge. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the way you've designed and defined the first church, that first ecclesia. And thank you for giving us a picture of how we can be devoted to our own ecclesia here at the Ridge. Amen.